someday, someday, and hopefully soon, we're going to heaven. No, we're going to heaven, and we get to worship Jesus face to face. The Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world for our sins. And we get to praise Him for all eternity. Isn't that going to be a great day? Hey, pray with me, would you please, Father? Thank you for the wonderful hope of heaven. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior, who died for us, that we could have the forgiveness of sins, the prospect of eternity with you, and the fact that this old world, while it's so corrupt and uh, in so much trouble, it's not our final home. So fill us today with great hope, with great uh, victory, and with great purpose of living that when we leave this place, we'll be determined to tell others of Jesus Christ. I pray in his name. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and grab a seat. Um, my name is John Blodgett. I'm glad to be with you today. Uh, you know, um, for those of you who don't know who I am, I used to pastor here for like 21 years or something like that. And um, it's no place like home. You know, it's kind of nice to come back here and preach. No matter where I preach, I love this place more than any other place I preach. And I enjoy it. And I'm just glad to be with you today. We're going to tackle a tough subject, though, today, and it's one that uh, we'll have to put on our thinking caps for, and one we have to really absorb, and, and um, I've been praying that for you all week, that God will really change our lives as we meet together today. Y you might ask this question, what on earth is going on, right? You look at the world around us, and it is an utter, utter chaotic mess, isn't it? Does anybody agree with me on that? I mean, it is really, really bad. You look at what's happening. We, just in the United States of America, we have, we have anarchy going on, it seems like, all over the place. We have the pandemic, terrorism in so many different forms, a lot of intolerance going on and selfishness, and so many voices screaming at us that my way is the right way, and if you don't agree with me, they're going to call you some name, label you something, and say you're just wrong. Welcome to the United States of America. And that's how we're living. And it seems like nobody has the right answer. And nobody's pointing us to the right direction. We've escaped from God, so to speak, in America. We don't, we don't need him anymore. Everything's about everything else. And so we're left confused and we're left frustrated. We're left angry and afraid. So many of us are isolated, and we're, we're living without hope, and, and, and that's the world in which we live, and nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows how to give any answers. We're told one minute, we'll trust the science, and the next minute, no, trust this and trust this, and, and nobody's yelling out, hey, why don't we trust God? Hello. Just think for a moment. When is the last time you heard any of our leaders in our nation say, let's pray? Let's turn to God. I'm a little bit older than some of you in here, and I've been around for a while, and I've lived through a lot of presidents and a lot of leaders. I got to tell you, there's always this call of, hey, we need to, we need to call on God. We've not heard that anymore. So we, we live in a, an, a vacuum, so to speak, of God. And so people don't know where to turn and what to do. And I believe that in the midst of all this confusion, that God has given us answers that you and I can trust and use those answers with people who are lost and confused and frustrated to point them the way to Jesus Christ. Let me show you how it works. The other day I was riding in, my, in a car with my unsaved neighbor and he was driving. And I've been praying that God would, would open up a door of witness 
here and that he would open the door. My neighbor, not me this time. And we're driving down the road and it's when Israel and Hamas were going at it. And he just looks at me and said, John, from the Bible's point of view, what's going on in Israel? Ooh, you talk about Sikkim. <laughs> and so I preached him my message in nut, nutshell form and just said, this is what's going on. He just looked at me. He didn't know. He didn't have a clue. And all your, uh, so many of your friends and relatives and neighbors don't have a clue. They're just living in fear of what's going on in the world. And I believe that God has given us the answers that we need to point people in the right direction in this day and age. So what is God doing now? And how are Christians supposed to live in light of everything that's happening? <clears throat> the thing I want to start out with today is you and I should not be filled with fear. We have no reason to be afraid. Uh, last I knew, God was still on the throne. Last I knew, God was still in control, and nothing's going to happen without his knowledge. So let's rest in confidence and live with boldness in this day and age. But what is happening? <clears throat> I believe that what God is doing right now is beginning to bring about the next phase of prophetic events, which includes the day of the Lord. Last week, Pastor Phil talked to us about the rapture of the church, the snatching out, if you will, of the bride of Christ, those who know Jesus. And that was a great message. If, if you haven't heard it, you need to go back and listen to it and um, anticipate the return of Christ. But as that happens, then the next phase begins, and it's called the day of the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is where we'll turn in our study, and, and it's this text. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need that we write anything to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So the question begins with this, what is the day of the Lord? Well, the first thing we're told, it's marked by times and it's marked by seasons. In other words, God's saying there's something coming and it's certain and it's the time is appointed for it. The season is right for it. It's going to come to pass. This, this phrase, the times and season, is used three times in the Bible. It's used in the book of Daniel when Daniel's interpreting the king's dreams and he talks about the signs and the times the seasons. He, it's used by Jesus in Acts chapter 1 verse 7 as he's talking about Israel and the time is right for Israel to reassume its right position. And it's used here in this passage by the Apostle Paul. I want to I tell you this, that God has appointed things and God has a plan for this universe. Do you understand that? Oh, yes. He's got a plan for this universe and it involves the nations of the world and what's happening, and the primary nation that he's involved with is the nation of Israel. Now, it, it may seem foreign to us that it doesn't seem like that big of a nation. Listen, that's God's promise, and I'll share that with you in just a moment. But here's what he says about the nations of the world. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind. Isn't that interesting? One man, who is it? Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who is it? Adam, from that man, all the nations of the world. So guess what? There aren't many different types of people. There's, there, we're all human beings. We're all descended from one man. We're all, if you will, brothers and sisters in here. We're, we're all common people. We're human beings. He said, they made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, watching this, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. 
In other words, God says, here's this nation right over here. Here's the boundaries of it, and here's its purpose for this time slot in America or in history. In America, God planted the United States of America. He planted us where he planted us, and he planted us for a specific time. I don't know how long that time will be, but we are here according to God's divine appointment, same as every other nation in the world. And when we've accomplished the purposes of God, we will not be the nation that we were, and God might bring along a new nation. But he does it with every nation he has. He has a plan, and he has a purpose. You need to put all of that in your background as we get into this day of the Lord. I believe that the day of the Lord is a specific event, a specific time. It is the tribulation period. Look at verse 2, and let's see what he says. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So this coming is, is a specific thing, and it's ushering in the tribulation period. I want you to remember something again in history, and I, I know I'm going to go through this kind of rapidly, and you need to kind of absorb it quick, but remember that God established something with a man by the name of Abraham. He established a covenant with him, and that covenant would be to establish the nation of Israel and his people, and that he would bless them forever. Okay, so, so Ben, God comes to you and he says to you, Ben, I'm going to make of you a great nation, and your kids are going to be blessed forever, and there are going to be so many of your kids. You're going to be the greatest nation on the face of the earth. You're going to go, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. But then, watch this, Long down, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll skip some generations, you know. You guys are good guys, okay? We'll go down for many generations, and all of a sudden they don't love God anymore. And God did something with the nation of Israel that he would do here, he set aside the nation of Israel because they rejected God. And then he did something so unique. He opened up everything to all the people of the world. And now, watch this, all the people of the world can come to know Jesus as their Savior. Isn't that an incredible thing? And then, when the time is right, God is going to come back, and the whole focus of everything is going to go off all the nations of the world and right back to Israel. Why? So God can fulfill his everlasting covenant with Abraham. Isn't that incredible? Amen. Now, that's what's going on. That gives you just kind of an overall view of this tribulation period and what's going on. In order to get there, however, Israel will need to be brought back to God. You see, right now, the nation of Israel is there. The nation of Israel is a secular nation. It is not a spiritual nation, very secular. Its government is secular. It's just not a religious nation. And it's going to be brought back to God when God punishes the nations of the world for their sin. And then the most unbelievable thing is going to happen. All the nations of the world are going to turn and, and lash out at Israel. And as Israel is lashed out upon, they are going to call out to God, and they are going to return to him and begin to follow God again. All of this is included in the day of the Lord. Now, don't get confused. The day of the Lord is not a 24-hour period. It's a time. It's a season. It's a seven-year period of time as related in other scriptures we won't go to today. You might have heard it referred to as this. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. 
of Israel's trouble in Jeremiah chapter 30. That usually refers to the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. Now, here's one of the big things about the tribulation period. It's marked by the coming of the Antichrist, the one who is opposed to Christ and by the false prophet. These two are going to come on the scene, and they're going to deceive the nations. They're going to lead a campaign of hatred towards Israel. They will have complete authority over the earth, even to the buying and selling. Now, when I was younger, I had a hard time contemplating that, because the world wasn't set up as it is right now. Even the days of Hitler, when everybody was panicking that he must be the Antichrist. It wasn't set up like it is now. Our communication systems, everything about us, the, the lack of, you know, major world leaders, it's almost like everything is set that somebody can come up and just take over. You say, how's it going to get there? How can that? Well, remember, Pastor Phil talked about snatching away. Remember that? Got to bring you back to last week because it's all important. Just think for a minute. Did you know, did you know that Christians drive cars? Can you imagine the rapture happening and cars going down the road by themselves, crashing into things? Did you know that there are Christian pilots? Can you imagine planes, if both commercial planes, if both the pilot and the co-pilot are Christians, they're left without a pilot. Could you imagine being on an airplane, sitting next to somebody, and they disappear? They got raptured, they're gone. Can you imagine world leaders who know Jesus just disappearing? Members of your household who know Jesus, gone, and you don't know Jesus. And it's like, where did everybody go? And there will be this utter confusion and this utter, utter frustration, wondering what's going on. And uh, uh, Phil, I have to bring this I thought it was great when you talked about the UFOs last week. I'd, I'd never thought about that. But the rise coming up, and all of a sudden, oh, it must have been somebody snatched them from another planet. No, Jesus snatched them, and they went home. And all this confusion, two people are going to surface. And Satan will allow the whole world to follow their delusional lies. And the final culmination of what they do, they will receive worship from the people. The Antichrist will walk into the reconstructed temple, and he is called the abomination of desolation. As he sits there receiving the worship that is due to Almighty God alone. The tribulation period, the Antichrist. By the way, if Jesus is coming soon, and I believe he is, if he's coming soon, then the Antichrist is probably on the face of the earth today. We don't know him, don't speculate. I mean, I've heard so much over my lifetime of who this person is. I mean, all the way from Hitler to Mussolini, and I wanted to lie back then. I was right after that, okay? Not quite that old, although I'm getting there. But my favorite one I told the first service was Henry Kissinger. 
our Secretary of State, because he's going around negotiating peace, and all the Christians are, he's got to be the Antichrist. Well, how'd you get there? Well, every letter of the alphabet has a number, one, two, three, four. So we put them together, and his name, his, his name adds up to the number 666. He's got to be the Antichrist. I'm like, are you serious? I was just a kid. I'm like, no, I guess I was married. I guess I wasn't a kid. I am older than I think I am. Don't speculate, but be ready that Jesus could come at any moment, and all this stuff is going to unfold. Let me give you a quick overview of the day of the Lord, what's going to ha be happening. Understand this. H have I lost you yet? I need to ask that question. Have I lost you yet? Un understand this. We are living in the church age. The church age is from when Jesus ascended up into heaven until Jesus snatches the church out of the earth, called the church age. Upon the rapture, the church will enter, and again, this is a little repetitive, will enter the seven-year period of tribulation. Again, the primary focus is where? It's on the world to punish it for its sin, its rejection of Christ, and to restore Israel to a relationship with God. Understand the purpose of what God is doing here. This period ushers in, once it's done, the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth, in which he reigns and rules on the earth for a thousand-year period of time. Then there will be a rebellion, and we will enter into eternity. That's the overview of kind of like the day of the Lord. But let's dive in just a little bit below the, the overview, because I think it's important for you to understand what is going to happen in the tribulation period. I don't have time to go through Revelation 6 through 19 with you and read those. I wish I did because they're, they're just fascinating to read. Go home and read them. You say, oh, Revelation, it's hard to understand. Just read Revelation 6 to 19. You may not understand everything. Just read it and ask God to convict your heart about how horrible things are so that we can begin telling others of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a snapshot. In chapter 6, we're told that there will be widespread murder and famine, and death to a quarter of the earth. Going to be great catastrophic events. In fact, let me read this part to you in Revelation 6. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when it is shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Can you imagine that? All of a sudden, the, the sun is dark, the moon is dark, the, sky, the stars are falling from the sky. All sorts of things are happening. You're hiding because you don't know what's next. And all of a sudden, they realize the wrath of God has come upon us. The tribulation period in Revelation 6. How about Revelation 8 and 9? Catastrophic events in the earth, in the seas, the rivers, the sun, the moon. <clears throat> Locusts that sting like scorpions. I mean, just flooding the earth. 
Now, we haven't been hit with cicadas here, like other parts, but that's what it's like. It's covering everything, according to Revelation 8. The release of the death angels are going to go throughout the earth. All of this results, watch this, in a third of creation being destroyed, a third of sea creatures dying, many humans dying for lack of water, a third of the light disappearing, people having painful sores, and another third of all mankind will die. So we've had a quarter of the earth die. Now a third of that which is left dies off again. We were in utter panic with the pandemic and the people who were dying. Can you imagine what's going to happen here when all around people are just dying of disease after disease after disease? In spite of all of this, there will be no repentance. In chapter 16, we'll be told there'll be sores on people. The seas and the rivers will be like blood. There'll be fire on people, thick darkness. Demonic spirits will be released. And a great earthquake, and, and this one just blows me away. And great hailstones weighing up to 100 pounds will fall from heaven. The day my wife and I were out when a storm came through, and all of a sudden it started hailing. And I'm like, oh, not on my truck. So I pulled into a gas station underneath the canopy as it's just pelting down. And, and then all of a sudden I looked and all the bays were filled. And nobody's buying gas. They're just protecting their cars. And I'm thinking about this thing. Can you imagine a hundred pound chunk of ice falling from heaven? And not just one, many of them. As God unleashes his wrath on the world, again, utter destruction upon the earth, yet no repentance on the part of mankind. And then, and then, Jesus will come, and there will be a fight like you've never seen before. The battle of Armageddon will be fought. And there, we will be with Jesus. Just think, because we went with him, remember? Now we return with him, and he will be victorious, and he will win the battle over all the nations of the earth, and he will establish his kingdom. Hallelujah. It's going to be a horrific battle. How many of you have been to Israel? There, Phil, you got a wide open congregation for you, buddy. One of the most magnificent scenes in all the earth is to stand in the city of Megiddo, the ruins there, and overlook the valley of, the Arm, uh, valley of Armageddon, and it just stretches forever. And the Bible says that the, the valley will be filled with blood up to the horse's bridle because the wrath of Almighty God has come upon the earth. The day of the Lord. And when Jesus returns, one of the most blessed things in all of history is going to happen. Zechariah says that the nation of Israel will look on the one they have pierced. Israel is finally going to recognize Jesus as their Savior. And all the covenant promises back to Abraham will finally be fulfilled in that great and glorious day, and we go into the millennial kingdom. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 1, and let me just begin to piece this together for us as we work our way through it. The Thessalonians knew about the day of the Lord. He said, uh, concerning these times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to write to you. Apparently, it taught them. 
But there must have been a question about the timing or the events or some things like that saying, can we know when it's going to happen? And none of us know. Only the Father knows. He hadn't even told the Son yet. And one day, (laughs) the Son seated at the right hand of the Father, the Father's going to lean over and say, Son, go get the children. And Jesus is going to come forth, and and again, like Phil said last week, we don't know what he's going to say, but I, I, I love this thought. I think he's going to get to the edge of heaven. He's going to stand in the skies and say, children, come home. And it's going to be kind of like your mama. Remember when you were a kid and you were outside and it was time to come home? There was a certain time there was never another call made. And in my case, it was like this, Ron, Jim, John, come home. You know you better get going. But when Jesus comes, those of us who know him, we're not going to have any alternative. We're just going. And we go home to be with Jesus Christ forevermore. Paul said, you don't need to know about the times. You just need to be ready. Here's the the thing about Paul, and the rest of these verses we'll go over. Paul was more concerned how they were living in light of the fact of the great day of the Lord coming. And that's where we need to go today. How are you and I living in light of the fact that Jesus is coming again, in light of the fact that if our neighbors, our friends, our relatives, sometimes our children, our parents, if they don't know Christ, what I just described to you is what they will go through. I would not wish this on any person I knew. And you and I sit here with the wonderful gospel of truth in our hands, and we don't tell them. I'm going to tell you, there has never been a day like today for evangelism, I don't think. Never a day where more people are wondering about the future and what's going to happen. And you have a wonderful opportunity Just to sow a seed saying, you know what? I read in the Bible this thing that's coming down the road. I read in the Bible about this. And people are going to listen to you today. Why? They don't know. There's no authoritative answer. And when you give it to them, it piques their interest. They may not that day accept Christ, but it's stirring in the back of their mind because they have no answers. So how do we live? Well, we have understanding that this day is going to come quickly. He says uh, in verse 2, it's going to come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Like a thief coming to steal from you, it's over before you even knew it happened to you. Now the next one I will be very careful with. For I know nothing about it. It's like a woman going into labor to deliver a baby. I'm not going to be foolish enough to say that's how, this is what it feels like. I have no idea. Other than that, I watched my wife go through it. I watched my daughter go through it. I watched my daughter-in-laws. One minute you're doing fine. The next minute it's like, ooh, whoa, wait a minute. Remember one time we were at my son's house in northern Michigan. 
and we were playing a game at the table. My daughter-in-law was there, and she was very quiet, and my wife looked at her and said, Jenny, are you in labor? She said, I am. (laughs) I had no clue. But if you're a woman, you understand, don't you? That quickly, and here's what he's saying, like a thief robbing from you right now. Like women, women, you understand, like all of a sudden, nothing, boom, labor pains, Jesus is coming. And it's going to come upon those who are unsaved, like a thief, like a woman in labor. Swindoll said this, for unbelievers left on the earth, the day of the Lord will be unexpected, unwelcome, and utterly unpleasant, like a thief in the night. The world will be surprised at the return of Jesus because they're not going to listen to God. Hey, hey, listen to this. They didn't listen when God warned them of a flood and he covered the earth. The people of Sodom didn't listen when he sent them a warning and and Lot's far uh, distant relatives and his neighbors all died in Sodom. They didn't listen when Jesus said Jerusalem is going to be destroyed, and in 70 AD it did. If they didn't listen then, they're not going to listen now. And so because they're not listening to God, it's going to catch them by surprise. I do think it's so amazing that in our our world in general, there is so little talk about God. We've lost him. And it will come like a thief in the night. The Lord did give us some, surprise, some signs, though. Look at verse 3, and notice what he said. He said, when it seems like there's a time of peace and security. People will be going about in, in safety and security and peace, and all of a sudden destruction is going to just ravish their life. Just think about our life in America pre-pandemic. Pretty great, wasn't it? No, wasn't it? We lived in peace. We lived in security. Things were pretty good for us in America, wasn't it? Then all of a sudden, stay in your houses, wear your mask, don't ever do... Whoa, what happened to us in America? All of a sudden, that's what it's like. Peace, safety, security. Jesus comes. The tribulation begins, and everything is in utter chaos. That quick, no escape. Jesus described the days before the tribulation period in Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 25. Again, a good thing for you to read, but let me just read these verses in in chapter 24, verses 4 through 8. And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these, watch this, are but the beginning of the birth pains. So he said, take a look around. You start seeing all the catastrophes happen. Be careful. The end is right around the corner. It's there. And then he talked about human nature. Let me see if you don't think this is the United States of America today. 2 Timothy 3. Understand this, then last times there comes times of difficulty. We've had a difficult life, but watch this. People will be lovers of self. That's certainly not America. 
We don't just love us. Are you kidding? We're lovers of self, lovers of money. Well, that's not America. Well, maybe it is. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless. I stopped at this word, unappeasable. Do you know in America you can't please anybody? It's our society all over the place here. Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying his power. Hey, friends, can you see Jesus is saying, look at society, look at it, and then realize I am coming again. Get ready, because we could go home today. So, are you thoroughly discouraged? You depressed at all? All that's coming? Let me give you some hope. Could I do that? What is our hope as believers? How can we make it through all the garbage we're mired down in in today's society? Well, let me give you a couple of things. First of all, what's our hope? We are children of the light. That's great. Look at, look at verse 4. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light. Why are we children of the light? Do you know? Because in John 1, we're told Jesus is the light. And I belong to Jesus. So guess what? I'm a child of the light. We're a child of the light. We're children of the day. We're not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, <clears throat> sleep in the night, those who get drunk are drunk at night. What's going on here? Well, Jesus is saying this. Because we belong to God, because we are children of the light, he has told us what's going to happen. We understand what he has planned for the future. So we live with understanding. So we know that the worst is yet to come, even though the best is going to come after that. But for people on the earth, the worst is going to happen. We understand that. We live like that. We know the future events. And so as a result of that, we're constantly alert. Well, unbelievers are asleep in their spiritual indifference. Believers are to be sober, it says here, or to exhibit self-control. It's a serious, steady, balanced life. Well, the unsaved world are, are living in a drunken stupor spiritually. They can't, they can't understand what's going on, and we're sitting here understanding it all. Being children of the light, we stay alert knowing that our own judgment for our works awaits us. And our time on earth to point others to Jesus is drawing to a close. So when I live with hope and I live as the children of light, here's what I do. I live with eternity in view. Hey, friends, understand, the world is going to be a mess. But I'm going home. I'm going home. And I live with eternity in view. I live expectantly. I wish I could get it through my brain that to live expectantly means I live every day with the fact that Jesus could come today. Yes, so I live with a view of eternity, realizing that, that people who don't know Jesus are going to spend eternity without him. 
and realizing that this day of the Lord is going to come crashing upon people I know if Jesus comes soon. I don't think I said it in this service. I said it in the first service. I don't want this on anybody I know. And friends, as Christians, my plea has been to God to help us wake up and realize what is going on in our world and the desperate need of people who are going to go through the most horrific thing the world has ever seen. The worst thing is to be without Jesus. Live as children of light, but watch this. We can live without fear. I watched in the pandemic as so many people were filled with fear. What on earth do we have to be afraid of? I'm I'm not saying live cavalier. I'm not saying be reckless. But did it ever occur to you what the worst thing on earth could be done to you? You could die. And you get to be with Jesus. Why are we so afraid? Why are we living in fear? Well, my money might all disappear. God owns it all anyhow. He'll take care of you. Stop living in fear. And let me tell you why you can do it. Look at verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. We have no reason to fear. Why? We have God's protection. This is not the armor of Ephesians 5. There's a partial list and some things added, but watch this. We have three things to protect us in this day and age. The breastplate of faith, the breastplate of love, and the helmet of our salvation. What does that mean? It means this. Our faith causes us to trust God. So my world is falling apart. What do I do? I trust God. I trust his word. I trust his promises. I trust his plan. And I trust his power. Even when I don't understand what on earth is going on right now, I can trust God. That's where we come. I had a discussion with one of my neighbors the other day, a neighbor lady. She told me about faith. I said, let me tell you what faith is. And I went through that definition of it with her. And then got to lay out the plan of salvation to her. Listen, it's so wide open today. But if I'm living in fear, listen to me. If I'm living in in fear, I cannot tell anybody about Jesus Christ. We have no reason to fear. We have the breastplate of faith. We have the breastplate of love. Our love causes us this, to be devoted to God. To obey and to serve him. Don't get discouraged in your faith. God is still on the throne. He'll still take care of you. And love him to the depths of your being. The third thing is our knowledge of salvation helps us to know. We're going to spend eternity with God and be glorified. This this helmet of salvation is not knowing when I ask Jesus into my Savior, into my life as my Savior. It's knowing I get to go to heaven with him, be delivered from this sinful earth, and forever be glorified with my Savior, Jesus Christ. Put on the helmet of salvation and say, we will not be defeated by the world's processes. Come on. 
What's God's purpose for us? What does God want to do for us as believers? Well, in verse 8 or verse 9, he says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. We are not under wrath. We're under grace. God's purpose isn't to kill us. God's purpose is to demonstrate his grace over and over and over in our lives. See, the good news is, I believe from studying Scripture, the good news is we are not going to go through the tribulation if we know Jesus Christ. Say, where do you get that? Well, let me just give you one view. Revelation 3 ends, and the church is not mentioned again in Revelation. And all of the things I described to you, is what's happening during that tribulation period. And it's like God has snatched us out and said, nope, that's not for my children. That's not for my bride. It's for those who don't know me and don't love me. And we get to go to heaven. The church will be spared from all the junk going on in the world. But the bad news is, as I mentioned before, is that people who don't know Jesus are going to go through this. And friends, I shudder to think That if Jesus comes today, some people I know and care about deeply are going to go through that period. And if I've never told them about Jesus, that's partially on me. You say, oh, don't fill us with guilt. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is, isn't it? If you know something bad's happening and you don't warn somebody, isn't it on you? Yes. Isn't it? You walk by a house that's on fire and you don't sound the alarms of the people inside, it's on you. You knew about it. You got to tell them. You got to tell them. You say, well, they might think bad of me. Who cares if you're trying, as Jude said, to snatch somebody out of hell? Yes. The other bad news is that if they die before the tribulation period without knowing Christ, they'll spend eternity separated from Christ in the lake of fire forever and ever. You want to really picture it? Read this afternoon and read Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15, and see what God's got in store for those who reject him for all eternity. But God's ultimate purpose for us is that we might be with him. Look at verse 10. Who died for us so that whether we are awake, alive, or asleep, dead. Listen, look at those last phrase. We might live with him how long? Forever. God's purpose for you as a follower of Christ is to live with him forever. Isn't that great news? It's what God wants from me. That's God's purpose for me. He designed me not for this life. He designed me for eternity, and I get to enjoy it with him. Isn't that great news? Uh, so far, I don't think you're convinced. You're all just kind of staring at me like, is this guy for real up front? Hey, friends, if we can't get excited about Jesus and about eternity, I don't know what there is to get excited about. By the way, you know the only way to obtain salvation? Look, look at it there. 
verse 9, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can't get there any other way, my friends. The door is only through Jesus. And if you've never come face to face with Jesus, your destiny is separation from him in hell forever. Because of God's grace, all who believe and accept Christ's death will escape being separated from God forever and ever and ever, and how we ought to be thankful every single day that we are born again children of God. Don't ever get tired of being a born again child of God. Don't ever get tired of telling God, thank you for saving somebody like me. It is so important. So how do we live among believers? We'll look at verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Encourage one another. How on earth do we do that today? Oh, you're doing so good. You're doing, keep, keep your chins up. Most of you have more than one, so keep your chins up. Keep going. Don't give up. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18 says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. My wife lost her daddy in March. I can try to comfort her when she's having trouble, and I can do all sorts of things. But the greatest comfort I can give to my wife, and the greatest comfort you can give to anybody who's lost anybody, or the greatest comfort you can give to somebody who's discouraged is this. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. And we get to be together for all eternity. No, I thought you'd get excited. <laughs> Jesus is coming again. Yeah. Encourage one another. Stop being defeated and discouraged. He's coming again. And then build each other up. Strengthen each other in the faith. Lock arms with each other. Make sure you're strong with one another. Paul wrote these words to the church at Corinth. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Encourage, keep working, building up, strengthening the body of believers. That's what it's all about. That's how we live in light of the fact that Jesus is coming again, that the day of the Lord is coming, and we strengthen each other in very discouraging days. So I ask this question, now what? As believers, I believe we should be anticipating the return of Christ with great joy. But knowing the wrath of God to be dealt out in the tribulation, we should be filled with so much compassion for others that we share Jesus with them at every opportunity. I kind of like retirement. I kind of like hanging around. I kind of like being available to people, to neighbors. God has given Colleen and me so many opportunities. In Florida, he gave us just a lot of opportunities. Can't wait to go back in January and just rekindle some acquaintances, see where God takes it to the next level there. Our neighbors. And I know life can be discouraging, but I want to, I'm going to close here in just a minute, but
Let me share this one with you. My neighbor came over the other day, and, and a different neighbor than the one I talked about earlier, and she has had some physical difficulties, and she was going through some things. And we talked about faith, and I gave her this definition. And, but, but one of the things I said to her was, we all have difficulties, and if I had not had this brain condition that God allowed to come into my life, I might still be pastoring today, but I can't do it. I can't physically, mentally do it anymore. And so I looked at her and said, so you know what? God allowed this into my life, and I've made the best of it. And guess what? If I didn't have it, I wouldn't be sitting on my front porch today talking to you about what we're talking about. And I got to share with her the plan of salvation. You can do it. You can do it. People are hungry for it today. This whole faith thing is so important to encourage each other and help each other. I want to share this story with you because I think it's so important in the building up. Before we pastored here, we pastored in St. John's, Michigan. And one of my good friends there just um, lost his 10-year-old grandson. Farming family. And he was riding on the tractor with a couple of his uncles and they hit a bump. And they fell off and the tractor tires ran over him and then the hay wagon tires ran over him. 10-year-old loved Jesus. And I watched in utter amazement at the funeral as we live-streamed it the other day of this grandpa, both sets of grandparents, and they're standing up and talking about the incredible love of God and the faith of this young man and their utter dependence on Almighty God and the faith. And it was the best balance I've ever seen between grief and hope. Then I watched as the little boy's mama got up so I couldn't do this. I, she shared a little bit, and her sister read, a, read her paper for her. And then the daddy got up. And he spoke about his son. Talked about how hard this was. But how he had an unshakable faith in Almighty God. Then I watched his uncles get up and talk about how hard it was and these men in tears talking about their faith in Christ and I thought that's what we need today my kids need that from me and my grandkids need it from me and the next generation needs it from me and you need it from me and we need it from each other to build each other up in the faith so that when the hours of difficulty hit us we're strong and we say we have an unwavering faith in almighty God the world looks at us and says what on earth is wrong with them and we just say we have Jesus and it makes all the difference in the world so for some of you I want to give this first part of the invitation for some of you, you need to be, be serious with God today and say, you know what? I have some people who need Jesus. If I don't tell them that Jesus comes, they're going to go through what we've heard this morning. And I'm going to get serious with God, and I'm going to start praying for them to come to Jesus, first of all. And I'm going to be purposeful in my discussions to ask God to open doors for me to talk to them about Jesus. And the first part of the invitation is for you today to say, listen, 
Who do you know that needs Jesus? And what are you going to do about it? We begin today by praying about that and saying, God, help me sow the seed of the gospel with them. The second part of the invitation is this. Some of you in here don't even know Jesus. And if Jesus were to come, what we were talking about today is your future. And I want to ask of you, please, today, would you come to Jesus Christ? Don't put it off. It's going to come like a thief in the night, like a woman beginning labor pains, and you're not going to be ready for it, and it's going to be on you, and you're not even going to know it. And it's going to be too late. Would you come to Jesus Christ today? Don't put it off. Don't put it off. And we're, we're going to sing in just a minute. And I know we're not, so often we don't give invitations in today's church. But somehow we've got to get serious and tackle this thing down, don't you think? Yes. Do, do you agree with me? How many of us have sat through similar things like this and we walk out the door and go, okay, and it's gone. But I'm going to ask us to get serious in the service and go, what am I going to do about this? And some of you need to come and ask Jesus into your life and our prayer team is going to be up here at the end and, and they're going to be able to show you how to come to Jesus. But some of us need to come and just pray. Let God open our mouths or second, we come up and ask somebody to pray with us about somebody we know needs Jesus and ask God to help us be the one to talk to him about Jesus. We're not going to watch each other. We're going to stand. Would you stand with me, please? We're just going to bow our heads. Matt's going to sing over us, and we're going to know the song. You're going to be able to sing it. But if our prayer team can help you, if I can help you, I just want you to come up and let's pray and let's leave this building ready to make a difference for the cause of Christ. Let me pray and then we'll sing. Father, help us, I pray, to make decisions that will be meaningful, that will leave here refreshed and ready to enter a world that needs Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing. You come if you'd like to pray. Oh, to Jesus I surrender Oh, to Him I
me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. Oh, to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. Hey, thanks for sharing with us today. Thanks for letting me share in your life. Um, for those who are a regular part of our church, we're going to have an offering plate in the back for you to give not only your regular giving, but a deacon's fund offering too, so that we can help needs within the church. Um, God bless you. I hope you have a great week. Let me pray over you. Father, give us boldness to speak of Jesus. Help us this week to see people come to Jesus. I pray in his name. Amen. You are dismissed.